You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. All right, it is Monday on Money Talk, and that means Andrew Sullivan is in the house, uh, specifically the one in Admiralty. He's the founder of Asian Market Sense. Good morning, Andrew Sullivan. Good morning. Great to have you on. Also, we're welcome today uh, to the show. It's Hebe Chen, market analyst for EMIG, coming to us from Australia. Good morning. Good morning, Andrew. Hey, great to have you on. Um, so we're going to have a look at the markets more broadly, but uh, $3 trillion. Andrew, what do you make of that? Um well, I mean, it's it's you know it's a good number, but yeah, uh, you know, I don't know quite where we're going to go with that. <laughs> I mean, is this is this it's a it's the first company to ever hit that that level. Um, I mean, should we should this is is this something of note other than just a footnote in business history, or does it signify something more important for the markets? Well, I mean, it it's briefly touched this level before and, and pulled back, uh, but it really underlines, as we've said before, how the American stock market is really being driven by seven or eight key stocks rather than a broadening out over to the wider market. Okay. Uh, Hebe, what do, you, what do you make of this, Are you, you know, in this, in this market concentration in the tech stocks? Yes, I, I do agree. I think it does showing and sort of underlying the divergence in, in the, how the market performed. Um, well, I personally agree that I think the tech is a key driver behind, but it just next question is that would this rally that we've seen so far has been sort of... Um, Different from what the fundamental view is, how the economy has been performing. And we've seen that the stocks, especially the high value, high risky stocks, have been keep climbing up, while on the other hand, we sort of big concern over the economy is also piling up as well. So, will it be translating to a potential key risk uh, for the next, for the second half of the year? I think that's one of the key words that we have to be always aware of. Okay. Uh, are tech stocks overvalued at this point? Are you are you starting to uh, pull back from, from your position in tech stocks? Or Well, I do see some of the stocks sort of overvalued, especially in the semiconductor sector. It's one of the key um, sectors being seen quite a high lofty value of that. If you see the NVIDIA, even though it's been pulling back quite a lot, but still trading at over 300 times of the P-E ratio. So, um, whether or not the expectation, whether or not the company can deliver to let lock the expectation, that will probably have to look at the what ending's been results, ending results being reported and late, later this month, and that will be quite an assessment time that we will check in whether they have to meet the evaluation there. Andrew, what do you think? Are you comfortable with the with the multiple with the uh, multiples that uh, tech stocks are getting, or is it uh, getting a little crazy out there? Yeah, I think I mean it, the, the 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 true thing about it is it's it is the valuations that are being you know continually raised. People are going for uh, you know high concentrations in these stocks, and that's always going to be a risk. And the fact that we haven't seen it broaden out to to other tech names or to the suppliers of a lot of these companies really just shows you that uh, you know people are just focused on the headline. Uh, who's doing that? Is it is it the retail is it the retail traders that are causing this concentration because they're not doing their research, or I mean, are institutions getting lazy? I mean, but I mean, is, is, you make a good point. Like, why are the suppliers or the people that are peripheral to these, you know, or connected to these stocks? Why are they not also advancing at the same rates? Well, I think it's it's it partly comes down to the fact that fund managers, you know, uh, as I used to say, you never get fired for buying IBM. Hmm. You know, whereas if you get to go to some of the smallest suppliers, then there's a there's an increased risk there that's maybe not, you know, reflected to the same extent that the risk of uh, Apple. Hmm. Um, so they like that security. Yeah. And at the end of the day, there's security in numbers. These are index stocks. You know, as long as everybody's buying them, then you can't go far wrong. 
But mm-hmm. as far as a, you know, a smaller investor is concerned, then there could well be better opportunities in some of those supplier names. Yeah, Hebe, are you are you are you out there trying to find the uh, you know the companies that might be undervalued that are you know that should be that are connected to this this uh, bull run? Uh, yes, if you're looking, for instance, if you just compare with purely looking at the AI sector, if you compare to NVIDIA's valuation versus like a Microsoft's valuation, even a Microsoft is a big company behind the chat GPT, it looks like the valuation for Microsoft is much cheaper now. If you, I mean, if you compare to NVIDIA's point of view, I think that's what sort of the, if you think the cheaper value or better valued um, stock, if you, that's what your, your criteria for picking up the future potential of increase. I think that's sort of things they can look at. Okay. Um, I know you guys are both keen on watching the numbers as they come out, Hebe. Uh, what, what numbers are you watching for this week? Well, I think that this week, we'll, quite a lot of highlight will focus on the job reports from the U.S. Um, we know that the non-fund payroll, the unemployment rate, the, the, the wages growth will be the key focus for this week. And the reason that it's quite important if you're looking for non-fund payroll, for instance, that it's sort of like Beat the market's expectation for the 11 occasions out of growth. So, what that means that on the positive side, the job market showing the U.S. economy is still pretty strong. But on the other side, it means that the how the development in the job market is sort of out of potential, out of many um, economies, even the Fed's expectation. And if that we turns out, this is another time we're seeing the upside surprise to the job numbers. The chances are we will see the Fed will stay quite hawkish in the July meeting. The market's now pricing in, primary pricing at another 25 basis point high, but what the market hasn't priced in is what sort of after that. Mm-hmm. The Fed is saying that it will increase another two times last in last week's speech, and whether the two times will be even more than that, will there be more than 50 basis points moving forward? I think that's sort of the things that been answered for the second half of the year. Andrew, are you, are you aligned with that? Are you, um, or, or do you think more strong jobs data coming out this week, other strong indicators are going to cause the Fed to get more aggressive than a 25-point rate hike? I doubt well, they'll do more than 25 at any one. But as, as just said, you know, Powell has indicated he, he thinks there's going to be two, and he thinks they're going to stay higher for longer. Um, I mean, the other data, we got, you know, we've got the PMI data coming out. That'll be closely watched for China. And then um, tomorrow we've got the RBA uh, making an interest rate decision. And again, again, that's going to be a finely tuned call between whether they pause or whether they continue hiking, I think. Mm, so a little less certainty on what the Reserve Bank Australia is going to do? Is, it, is that one a little bit more up in the air? Yes, I think so. After the data we got out last week, uh, and, and it, again, they could decide like the Fed did last time to take a pause and to see whether the previous hikes are having effect or they could just continue to tighten. Yeah. Hebe, uh, you share the same view on the RBA? Yeah. Yeah, I, I personally tend to see the RBA will take a hold and see. I think, as Andrew said, it's, it's, it's a good timing for them to keep the trend, keep the very unchanged for least months, given the 13 months low headline inflation. But on the other hand, if you're looking a bit closer, the other side of the inflation story is that now the core inflation is now surpassing the headline inflation, so meaning that the sticky part remained above 6.5%. And in other words, I guess there's still a long way for the RBA to say that this is the end. And now we're seeing the market pricing in the terminal rate at 4.6% by the end of this year. And it's just a reminder, early this year, we only see a 4%. So it's a big up from the market's expectations. So given that we're sitting at 4.1% for the RBA's interest rate for now, so chances are another 50 basis point, and the chances are another two, even more, more, two, more than two times the RBA need to keep hiking. So for even for tomorrow will be a pause 
that they more likely will be a very hawkish pause for hmm. microcombi. Okay. Uh, I do want to have a look at a slightly larger economy, uh, China. Um, I mean, what's, what's your take on where the uh, Chinese yuan is going? Um, yes, uh, the PBOC just lowered interest rate last month. I think that's a move that's been welcomed by the market at the first stop. It looks like they it has lost a bit of steam. The market is looking for more. And now we also heard from PBOC last week and saying that they are trying to support the economy, support the currency. But it's just at this stage, for me, it's more of a verbal support. Mm-hmm. And the next question we probably need to ask whether the PBOC will have more significant follow-through actions. And from my point of view, I think the PBOC is having a big challenge in that, that if they're trying to support the currency or they're trying to support the economy, because these two sort of objectives are somehow conflicting. We know that a lower interest rate could help the economy, but it also works against the effort to voice the exchange rate. And we think the Chinese currency is now moving towards the taking yellow level uh, versus the, the US the US dollars. I personally tend to see that the PBOC will probably stay for now, even that I think economy growth is their priority, the top priority now. So they're very similar to Bank of Japan. They're likely to keep the rate even further to support the economy. And in that case, that we're going to see the Chinese yen will continue to stay, I think, for the time being. Mm, Andrew, what, what do you think of that? And I mean, if, if the yen keeps trending lower, are the Americans going to get grumpy and start, you know, making noises about uh, currency manipulation? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think, as, as I was saying, I mean, the, the real problem with the Chinese economy at the moment is there's no demand from, from manufacturers. I mean, they're mm-hmm. seeing the exports slow. Yeah. They've got no reason to spend money on CapEx uh, until I think there's a, a resolution in the property sector uh, and you see, you know, domestic spending or the, the, the normal citizens having confidence to go out and spend again, then the, the, the economy is going to continue to languish. And the, the problem really is the fact that Beijing doesn't like, you know, giving handouts to, to people. It prefers to try and build things and have some asset at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this situation that they're currently facing, I, I really do think they have to start looking at how to, they're going to... Um, dramatically increase consumer confidence and as we're saying you know so far the PBOC and even Lee Kuan last week you know he's been talking the market up but um, people will want to see real action from the government I mean there is that lovely phrase that a a pessimist is somebody that's lived with an optimist for just too long Uh, and I think a lot of the uh, Chinese citizens have have listened to this talk for just too long and they're they're sitting on the sidelines now. Yeah, I mean, Hebe, what do you think? Is like, what other levers does the Chinese government have to juice the economy other than talking about it? Well, yes, I I kind of agree with Andrew. I think that's it's a it's a term called a confidence trap. I think that's what the the Chinese economy has been trapping itself in. Um, even that we that's and that's why why there's a big difference in between market expectation and why the economy has been performing so sort of underwhelming compared to the expectation. Um, I think that it's very important, it's vital for Chinese government to boost the confidence for the domestic demand and that people there do have the confidence to spend the money, do have the confidence that they will get more money back in the future. And that's what, how you're going to sort of regather a healthy driver behind the economy. Mm. And uh, what does that mean for the, uh, for the performance of the, the Shanghai and the Shenzhen stock markets in the, uh, the, for the, let's say for the summertime? Give us a you know, short to medium term look. Well, a, a lot of it's just going to... Well, 
really depend on what the government does. If, if the government does actually start giving some more fiscal stimulus to the economy, then I think we can do that. But, you know, the local authorities have got a huge amount of debt, so they haven't got a, a really much scope to move. So it's really got to come from the central government, I think, this time. Yeah. Hubie? Yes, yeah, I think I agree. Yeah, I think that the policy support will be, will be the crucial point to watch for the second half. And I do believe they will do something because if you're looking for the Q1 and we're going to have the Q2 GDP growth, and if there's a chance that the, it will be struggling to meet the 5% yearly target by the end of this year. And if that's the case, there's a chance for Chinese government to do something to make sure they can meet the target by the year end and a policy support will be crucial to meet this target. Okay. Um, yeah, so, I mean, why have Chinese tech companies not had the same boost that American tech companies have? I mean, for a long time, they were darlings of the, uh, of the Chinese economy. And, uh, yeah, no, we, we all know the government kind of, you know, kind of uh, you know, put, the boot on the, <laughs> put the boot on them a little bit. But, I mean, yeah. you think that they would be getting some of the same upside, or is, this, or is it just all AI and the Americans are just so far ahead of everybody else? Because, I, mean, I mean, I would say the European tech stocks, but I'm not sure there is such a thing other than Spotify. Um, but, I mean, how come Chinese tech stocks haven't really had that same, that same upside? I think it's, as you say, I mean, people have lost confidence in them. You know, they, when, when interest rates were at zero, then you know, Chinese companies offered very good yields and were very attractive and were in growth mode. Um, as you say, once the Chinese government decided to change its mind on that, uh, it highlighted to people the risks of investing in Chinese companies. It's policy risk as much as company risk as that people are taking into account now. Yeah, Hebe, is there, is there any chance for them to start to get some of that upside? Yeah, um, well, I think that it just point out because the AI is the sort of a key thing behind the U.S. text rally. And that if you're looking for the AI development in China, I personally do have quite confidence that China has the capacity to develop AI. But the thing is that we have the chip restriction there. We're having a sort of startup restriction there. We're having sort of like a lot of policies sort of restricting the development there. And that's sort of the curb that the China's have to overcome. And again, it will be back into whether the policy will support them to develop the AI technology freely as the USP. Gotcha. We've got, uh, we've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, other, other, give me one sector that you're looking at that you think is a little bit undervalued and there might be some opportunities over the summer since I'm not going to be around. Well, I still like the, the home improvement market in the US because with mortgages raising, then people are going to do more home DIY, I think. Okay, quick one. Now you've got 10 seconds, uh, Hebe, to tell me one pick. I think Hanson's the undertaker now. Um, I mean that it's six percent lower than the early this year, and then even given the economic growth, it shouldn't be that low. But that's what I do. Okay, so with ten seconds, she gives me ten cent. Perfect finish to the show. Thank you very much, Andrew Sullivan, founder Asian Thank Market you, Sense. Yeah, and Hebe Chen, market analyst for EMIG.